0: All right, welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Uh, If you're listening to the audio, if you're watching the video, and if you're doing both, I I promise you, you have to be doing both in order for this to continue to work. We just have a new theme song. Congratulations. Welcome to 2024. 19 days in. I meant to record this last week, but uh, time slipped away from me. Uh, time keeps on slipping, slipping into the future. Name the movie. I know the song is is older than the movie, or at least as old as the movie Space Jam. I remember that other song that <laughs> no, I won't sing. Yes, I had to, uh, I didn't have to make a new theme song, but I did. I made a new theme song for News Time and the. Uh, it took me at first I it took me so long to make these. At first I didn't know if I could on GarageBand cuz nothing was happening. Like it wasn't I wa- like I I couldn't figure out how to how to get, you know, how to get the instruments to work uh and then I just went I said okay, I want to do live loops. And that's what those were, live loops. I dug through so many and then eventually I realized you know I could uh, you know as if you can't afford Pro Tools, and if you don't need Pro Tools, you know, most people, I don't think, need Pro Tools. But if you can't afford Pro Tools and you want to make music, I think the next best thing is probably going to be GarageBand. Besides learning how to, you know, do something. But GarageBand is great. And I can't believe people have had this on their Macs, iPads, and iPhones for years. And nobody, like if I had an iPhone, I'd be making (laughs) loops all the time. I mean, I'd be a a friggin' DJ. But uh, here we are. So I made a new theme song. I actually made a new Going the Break song too. That's cold from the theme song as well. Um, And and the reason I did it uh, was because uh, I just kept getting content strikes on YouTube. And it's annoying. So here we go. Let's get on with this. I have last week's stories as well as this week's stories. Uh, The Emmys were this week. And they were the most diverse uh, ceremonies ever. This comes from Clayton Davis over at Variety. Also, if I sound a little um, off, it is because uh, uh, I'm going to a wedding for the next two days. And I have to get Maverick out, you know, the dog. And he has to be, he's still a puppy. In fact, when I came home from the gym, he was barking. He was like whining and barking. He also took a dump in his crate on Tuesday. And he just needs energy, but people are afraid of him because he's a pit bull. So I have to like walk him for a very long time or take him to a paid dog park or a bigger dog park versus the one that's inside my apartment complex. You know, the one I pay for the one that my apartment costs, you know, over twenty five hundred dollars and people with their friggin doodles and golden retrievers. They're like, oh, he plays too hard any hoosers uh, so i i've been I did not have a lot of water today because I was walking with him and then as soon as I got back I had to get ready for i had to eat lunch I ate lunch at three o'clock it is four but um i had a I had to go to a press junket and that took an hour of my life the I mean the interviews are great just the waiting part sucks also I know I said there's a there was a point um last year. I want to. I won't say which interview I, it, it was, uh, which uh, interview junket it was. I did not do a lot of junkets last year. You can probably pick this out. But there was a point where I was like, I'm not doing junkets anymore. I'm too big. <laughs> I'm too big for this. <laughs> it's annoying, and I had to, and I had to like wait and all this stuff, and I only get five minutes. It's annoying. And then uh, I just, you know, I never can. <clears throat> anyway, it was the most diverse Emmys. Uh, we had Emmys go through to uh, people like Quinta Brunson uh, for uh, making a show where everybody looks at the camera after delivering every joke. Um, and then we also had uh, people like Niecy Nash Betts and uh, Ali Wong win awards. Beef took home a crap ton of awards, which is fantastic. Iowa Debrie and um, Ali Wong both uh, set um, records that night. Uh, historic Historical records, I guess, whatever um she's uh iowa debris the third black woman to take on the trophy uh jackie harris harry took one and for 227 in 1987 interesting um and uh, uh, uh but then the nominees of course jessica williams janelle james who i interviewed um uh, shirley ralph i mean that's the most black women ever nominated in a category and then there's um ali wong and stephen yun and uh, uh beef in of itself i believe ali wong Might have been the first, no, 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 excuse me. Uh, This is the first time, Clayton writes, or Davis writes, uh, that two Asian performers from any major award ceremony won leading acting prizes on the same night. Wow. So let's keep it up. Oh, and then there was, um, uh, Glad was awarded the TV TV Academy's Governor's Award, a historic moment for the LGBTQ community. Uh, Elton John also became a member of the God. Trevor Noah won for Daily Show, uh, and I mean it's just it's amazing to see how uh, years gone by we've it's always been you know shows like The White Lotus and and it's cast like The White Lotus. In fact, when Jennifer Coolidge got up there to give a speech, I got up and went to go brush my teeth. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a joke. I was like, all right. This is not my bag. Uh and I do never I'll never watch Black Lotus or White Lotus. I watch Black Lotus. <laughs> I'll watch Yellow Lotus. <laughs> That's what I was gonna raise. I'll watch uh, uh beige lotus. <laughs> I won't watch White Lotus, no interest. Uh Pedro Pascal did not win, uh, but he was the first Latino to score three noms in the same year. America Ferrera, Jerrell Jerome, Albert Paulson, Jimmy Smith's uh, Edward James almost Ricardo Montalban, Rita Moreno—those are he, those are people he joins uh, uh, for even being. Well, those are the those excuse me those are the seven Latinos who have won acting Emmys across all categories. But I mean, can we even say that? That's like probably the entire list of Latino people who have been nominated. But it's it's great to see these numbers uh, change over these past couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, here's a here's an article from this week. I'm moving. Jesus, I'm I'm moving things around in my schedule, but I know it was right here. Um, this comes from a variety written by Brent Lang. Major studios pledged to hire, pledges to hire more female filmmakers, feel, filmmakers and people of color were performative, a study finds. Um, just because we had movies like uh, Barbie and we had uh, uh, Cocaine Bear, which was directed by Elizabeth Banks, which is, I think uh, a great movie. It's always great to watch a comedy like Cocaine Bear in the theater alone. <laughs> I also saw, I think about, I think I've been thinking about this for the past couple of weeks, uh, because, um, it is in retrospect, kind of a scary move, you know, if, it, if I, if I hadn't any sense of myself, but I saw the latest Scream movie, I think it was Scream seven because Four is a reboot, five, six, it was Scream six. So I saw Scream six, uh, in theaters by myself. Uh, I think I, I told that story about when I did, but it was the last day I was going to be in theaters and it was like a 11 AM showing. And I went in there, and I had uh, uh, a specialty popcorn that I got for free, and then I had my, my lunch with me because I biked up there, and uh, I could have like truly, someone could have just came up and murdered me if I sat right in the middle of the theater and I was the only one in the theater. It was fantastic, but I enjoyed myself. I really, I really like those those movies. Uh, I don't think have I seen you know Scream Scream is I think a, a, a not flawless but not perfect, but it's a very good franchise. And I can't say any of the movies are um, not good, unlike Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween or something. Along those lines. Okay, let's get back. Um, This comes from USC Annenberg's Inclusion Initiative, which says that uh, there were no real steps towards fostering the change. Uh, This is the second report in uh, a couple of days Um, uh, in in the same amount of days rather uh, from USC the Annenberg's Inclusion Initiative talking about how Barbie was both the year's most successful film and the highest grossing uh, movie ever directed by a woman Uh, but uh, they still give all of their highest profile gigs to male directors let's also say they give it to white male directors Um, the other study was conducted by the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film at San Diego State University excuse me I said the second study also came from USC but it did not uh, the report from USC found that a total of uh, 116 directors were attached to the 100 top grossing domestic films in 2023, but just 14 of them, or 12.1%, were women. That's a slight improvement 9%, uh, from the 9% of the top grossing films that were directed by women in 2022. But the report argues that the percentage of female fem- filmmakers on top movies has not changed notably since 2018 when it was uh, 4.5%. Now, we're getting to the nitty-gritty with the real numbers that I really care about. Only four women of color, 3.4%, helmed one of the 100 top film movies. Those Three of those women were Asian, the director for Joy Rad, Adele Lim, Celine Song's Past Lives, and Vesterhoven, uh, excuse me, uh, Vera Senthorn, uh, for Wish, uh, who I did email to interview. And um, I sent the wrong... Uh, I was emailing a lot of people that day, and I sent the wrong name. The other woman of that's a very true story. The other woman of color to direct a top movie uh, was Nia DaCosta, uh, who's black, and she directed the Marvels. Uh, these numbers are unchanged for women of color. We I, we I I wonder, you know, what is it going to take for these studios to get behind a woman of color? I mean, first. It has to, studios, boards have to, you know, want to hire people of color, women of color, and, and bigger roles. You know, when Disney has um, uh, black women execs leave their ranks, you know, and in space, I'm not going to say that. It's not, it, it, it could be construed as a racial term. Uh, but when, <laughs> when when it has a, a, a black women leave, you know uh, rapidly one after another a couple of years ago and and never want to um refile those ranks or even like want to get people those people back in those positions then it what sense does it make will they like they're they're never going to reach out and try to and try to make things right uh, in, later on in the run you know i listen to a lot not a lot i listen to a couple of um comedy podcasts and i only pay for two and even still, as much as they try to diversify and as much as they try to be progressive and and accepting of other people, I found that they too lack a sort of um, uh, they, there's bias. There's bias. There's bias in everything we do. And yes, you can say, oh, you know, my fr- I I'm bringing my friends in, we can and I can talk to my friends on this podcast all the time. But at some point, when you if you're if you're going to be saying like uh, Trump and his people and people like that don't want to you know they're racist and they don't want to they don't want to work with you know people of color you know they don't support this and I do uh cuz I'm a, dem- a democratic white person white man let's say it, white man this is a comedy podcast white man then you know that you're still part of the problem when you when you are bringing in you know uh this your your friend for the uh, i don't know for the uh out of out of twice a year, you know, versus, versus you actually going out and saying, Hey, this person is great. Let me go talk to them. And that, and that extends into film and that's into the corporate world too. You know, people hire, people date who they're comfortable with. Look at Taylor Swift. She's never like, she's, she, the closest she'll ever come to, I don't know if i ever said this on this podcast, but it's something I've an observation I've made in my head when she started dating Travis Kelsey, but the closest Person she'll ever the, the closest she'll ever come to dating a person of color is dating Travis Kelsey, and that guy's dated black women for you know a long time. It, just, it you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the effort when it comes to hiring people. Universal Pictures hired four female directors, Lionsgate and Disney hired three and two respectively. Across the last seventeen years, a total of twenty-seven women nine point nine point two percent have been hired by Universal Pictures to direct major theatrical releases. Warner Brothers is at 6.6. Sony Pictures Entertainment at 6.3. And Walt Disney's at 6.1. Paramount is at 1.6. That's why they're struggling. That's why they're trying to sell to Warner. Or Skydance, whoever the highest bidder is. 26 directors, 12, uh, 22.4%. Uh, of the top 100 ghosting movies of 2023 were from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. 14 were Asian. Eight were black. Two are Latino. Two are multiracial slash multiethnic. When are we going to see these numbers improve? At some point, they're going to have to... Because um, uh, nobody's going to want to watch... Well, I mean, I don't know. I can't even say that. I can't even say that because... Uh, people love Saltburn, and and has no people of color in it. But then again, you know, we get, sometimes we get, uh, directors who can put out like, like Greta Gerwig. I don't like her, but she, uh, was forced to, <laughs> to hire people of color for Barbie. <laughs> uh, you couldn't have a trans Barbie. Uh, you know, come on. You gotta, you gotta have a black Barbie. You got see, you gotta hire people. Got to have uh, Simu Liu as uh, Ken. My thing, look, I just again, I just don't think that she would have hired those people, you know, people of color, people of different genders, people of different, uh, uh, different, differently abled people, uh, if she didn't have to. I just, I really do think that. Just look at look at her movies. Anyway, um, but then you know, I just watched the holdovers, and there are even though it's set in 1970. Take a lesson from this. Every other director who does this, who uh, who does the opposite of this, it still has two people of color in it, and one of them is going to win big for this. Hopefully, we'll see. I don't want to jinx him. I'm not going to win. Well, the, the 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 they're already counted. Divine Randolph Joy. <laughs> I hope she wins. Uh okay. Let's let's continue off this uh, these numbers things and let's the number specs. And let's go to Max. Goldbart over at Deadline: Number of U.S. scripted TV season orders has nearly halved since 2019, uh, and um, and we can see it. Shows are being canceled left and right because streaming, obviously, is uh, you know at one point people the companies were spending buku Dolores on on streaming and uh, even broadcasting cable, but now it's all being pared down because it costs money to do all this. Uh, this is research comes from Ampere Analysis, which revealed that Hollywood displacement is uh, as international orders outsp- outpace the U.S. Um, this comes from 418 shows that were ordered last year in the United States, down from 720, 722 in 2019, which is mainly put down to the strikes, but... It said it's unlikely to rise in twenty twenty four. I yeah we where the 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 year prior there were six eighty three six hundred eighty three shows and now we're down at you know four eighty one forty two, um um and uh, four eighteen whatever. But the, I mean we knew this was going to happen and now that all of these companies are trying to save money uh, by also paying um, their. Uh, <laughs> but also paying their um, execs way too much, which is the first episode of News Time that isn't. It's back. I have to edit it, but it's back because <laughs> I just recorded two. Um, it's Hollywood. Hollywood seeing this effect, you know, across the board. People are getting let go left and right, and um, it's it's an unfortunate case of what's happening with. Uh, I think mostly due to streaming. I do want to put a little bit of blame on the strikes. Uh, that kind of. Put into retrospective, what, 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 a, what the dollar really means for for these companies, uh, especially with you know with Warner Brothers, Zaslov came out and said we saved five hundred million dollars by not having to pay writers, and now I think that even though he can recant on that. I do think that there's there's a part of those companies of all companies not just Warner Brothers and not just Zaslav but all of, the, of all these execs and all these companies going, yeah, hey, we don't have to put money into this. You know, if you look at if you look at the new uh, and I recorded late night lately at some point. But if you look at, at uh, after midnight, the the sequel to at midnight and the new show that follows that replaces late late show when we're following the late show. Um, there's nothing there's no money in that show that is that is a single stage a single screen and and, and i mean there was no money in the original show either but i th- i can really feel it with this one <laughs> as not that's not a that's not to condemn that show but i can just feel that this that after midnight has 0 dollars and yes it's a it's a it's a, a late night show but uh, you can't really compare that to something like young sheldon or something again i don't know why that came out of my mouth but this is this is exactly you know the the kind of thing that that if you pay attention to you can definitely see. And then and then we're all we're also seeing you know and on term in terms of I guess something you know in terms of orders of shows, broadcast cable and streaming, it's all just it that it, it, it's also going to go to extend to, um not uh what's the what am I looking for not um. Buying, purchasing, uh, having shows on their on their um, uh, platforms that they don't need to. Again, that goes that that's Warner Brothers, that's Paramount um, taking off shows off of Max or Paramount Plus. All right. Speaking of streaming, this comes from Wall Street Journal, written by Ann Steele. What in the world is happening? with the profits at Spotify. They're the biggest streaming platform. They have 600 million users. 30% market share is twice that. They're adding subscribers every month. Not a lot of people are canceling. Where the heck is their money? It lost $1 billion in that push to podcasting, mostly because there's podcasting's not lucrative and it never has been. It's only lucrative for the people who make it. For the actual, and I hate to say this word, creators that make the podcast. Conan made big money on that. Um, The girl from, uh, what's that show called? Uh, The one I hate. Uh, um, Alex Cooper, is that her name? Oh God, what is her show called? I know there's guys we effed and um, uh, date me or something like that. Anyway, those people are the ones making money. It's the... they they saw these numbers, like truly these companies, Spotify and, and Luminary, Luminary, I think, is Luminary one? I go, but they, they see these numbers and they go, oh, you know, I think that we can make even more, we can do it even better, but you can't because there's a stopgap in between that. there's There's a big space that nobody can hit except for the people who directly make the things. That's why you have... Shows going directly to pa- Patreon because there's no middleman there. You've got people like me. You got audiences paying the the the, uh, the, the creators. Jesus Christ, the, the the hosts directly because that is what we want. We don't want the intermediary. We don't want the big company looming over and going. And, and that's not to say like that there aren't big companies, you know, allowing other shows to go to Patreon, but the big company you know, putting Ford ads inside of it. I would, uh, inside of shows, I would rather just have an ad for uh, uh, underpants or an ad for um, uh, a toothbrush. Does Quip still do, is Quip A still in operation? And B, uh, do they still do ads? I was thinking about that the other day. It's a good toothbrush. It's not that strong though. I like my role So Still have my Quip. I also lost a Quip when I went to uh, Vancouver. The only time I travel out of the country, I lose a Quip. Buy another one. All right. So their market cap is forty billion dollars, and it's competing with Apple, Amazon, Google, and other podcasters. They had to lay off twenty three hundred employees and three rounds of cuts last year, just to find some type of profits. The most recent claimed seventeen percent of its remaining workforce. Daniel Eck, who's the CEO, announced the latest round, of, uh, latest round of cuts after reporting strong user growth in the third quarter and Spotify's first quarterly profit since the first three months of 2022. In fact, and I think, and I know I've reported this on Newstime uh, or at least uh, earlier episodes of Constitutionals, that Spotify is the only, one of the only unicorns to actually make money, to be in the green. But where are its profits? And I think the profits are coming from I, excuse me. Where are the profits that for podcasting? That's the thing. But I think the way it makes money are from these, from retaining users and getting new users, and also from the music royalties that it doesn't have to pay out. Is the audio? I don't think audiobooks going to pay off for them. I don't think anything besides music is going to pay off for them, and they have to understand that. And that's why. And I think that's what they're getting at now is because and and uh, you know. You know, Joe Rogan can take his podcasts anywhere, and he can still put out video and he still can put out shows. But having something be exclusive to an app that is just already so bloated down—I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I don't listen to any of that shit. But, <laughs> but that—but that's like the—that's like their their baby. You know, just having having things like that uh, uh, can't be. You're you're paying for the name, and you're hoping that they can drive people to the app you know you you're going to have joe rogan talk and then that person who was on apple music is going to go or on youtube music or on deezer why would you downgrade <laughs> uh, but you could but or qbuzz <laughs> or tidal and they can go well I, if i can get everything over here then i will and i and, and that's what they thought was going to happen but that's not go- that's not something that's happening All right, this next one comes from Hollywood Reporter. Alex Weprin wrote it. Amazon's about to eat the TV universe. In 10 days, Prime Video will make an ad tier, and it'll be default for users who don't opt in to pay the $3. Now, $3 is negligible for some people, especially if you just leave things on. But is it is it something that's going to help them? And yes, right now, um, the paid television tier, uh, the ad supported television tier is, um, is very lucrative. It's, it's something that, that is right now, right now at this point in time, pulling in a lot of dough because people don't want to have too many subscriptions. They don't want to pay $500 a month for subscriptions. And, uh, and, 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 and and I, I understand. I, I totally get it. Uh, Amazon has uh, always been coy about how many Prime subscribers it has. It's somewhere around the 200 million range. But no one disputes that its reach is almost unrivaled. Consumer intelligence partners, uh, research partners, estimates there are about 168 Prime million, Prime, 168 million Prime subs in the U.S. alone as of 2023. And if just half of those subs watch Prime video content it would be comparable to Netflix's penetration of the U.S., 77 million, and significantly more subs than the likes of Hulu, Peacock, and Paramount. So think of all the people, like if you watch Reacher, and let's say 20 million people watch Reacher, that would, make, that would instantly make their, that show like the top show, probably in the, new, in the U.S., Netflix has an ad tier. YouTube has ads if you don't pay for premium. Disney Plus has an ad tier. And, and by going, by, by having an ad tier, Prime is going to be competitive with Netflix, which is his prime target. Prime. <laughs> the Gage... Certainly suggests that if Hulu has just shy of fifty million subscribers, as Disney has reported, then Amazon is at least in the same ballpark in terms of prime subs that watch video content. Most Netflix users, however, are not subscribing to the ad tier. They said they have about 15 million users in the ad tier, active users in the in the ad tier on Netflix. While Hulu has uh, subscribers, while some Hulu subscribers also opt out of ads. How many uh I wonder how many people subscribe to Hulu with ads? I wonder. I wonder how that is uh, for Disney. So what's the play here? W- people, I don't. You know, Amazon is they they'll they'll have two versions of what they call fast streaming, or you know, excuse me, they'll have two versions of ad supported streaming. One is the Fast Streamer, which is a freebie, which you can already get on Amazon or get separately, which is always going to have ads. And then there's the Amazon... There's the Prime Video stuff with ads. And both have their own exclusive shows and syndicated shows and acquired shows. What will happen to freebie? You know... I think it's good for 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 it not to be consolidated and it, and for everything just to be treated as one. Everything should be uh what it is. Everything should be what it is. Cuz Pluto TV uh, as 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 what's mentioned in this piece helps drive paramount plus and, and Pluto TV is just such a different product, but there's no differentiating factor between free and prime video just because, but you know, except for free is free, but it has its own shows. There's a Bosch spinoff on there. And I believe, um, a show from the guy, Greg Dan, Greg, not Grant Daniels. I could I have the internet in front of me, but I'm looking up, uh, from the guy who created, um, uh, Oh God, my name is Earl. And, um, Baby Virginia. Jesus. All right. My name is Earl. Man, I love that show. I wish they would get one more season. Also, I had a huge crush on uh, Nadine Velezquez and Jamie Bresley. Definitely. (laughs) Both of them. Greg Garcia. That's his name. Raising Hope. The baby's name was Virginia, right? Yeah. Well, no. Nope. Martha Plimpton's character was Virginia. (laughs) Well, there we go. And then there's Sprung. Sprung was the show that's on Freevee, And it uh, says 2022 to present. So I assume it's still going on. Also starring Martha Plimpton and Garrett Dillahunt. And that guy's in everything. I don't know where this is going to go after this. There's really no ending here, but <laughs> there we go. And finally, one more story about streaming. This is the streaming thing. Streaming episode. Jessica Tunco wrote this for the Wall Street Journal. Netflix considers ways to make money from video games: impossible pivot. There, uh, all right. So Netflix, if you don't know, is um, and has has been has had gaming ambitions for the past couple of years. They bought the studio that created Oxenfree. I don't know the name of the studio, but Oxenfree is a, a point-and-click game, a adventure game um, that's really coming of age, and it's uh, I think it's a, I think it's good. I own it. Here's the thing: I own it three times over. I think I own it on Switch. I own it on Steam and I own it on Xbox. I have never played more than 20 minutes on any of those platforms. And that's a fact. But, you know, it's a great game for what it is. All the reviews say it. And then there's Oxen Free 2, which Netflix, uh, which was, I think, the first game under Netflix games that they released. But they also purchased other. um, Let me see. They also purchased other games as well they purchased things like world of goo which is a very popular mobile game unfortunately uh it was ruined by netflix and then there's also sonic prime dash which i'm playing they bought the company that makes dead cells and now and what, what's interesting is they have netflix editions if you're watching the video you can see i'm holding my phone up they have netflix editions of games um like GTA Vice City they also have uh special games that are created just for mobile like shovel knight pocket dungeon and the you you'll if you use the Netflix app on mobile you you'll see that they are shoving it in your face first of all in the game section uh, uh which is situated right before, right between their home and the home button and uh the new and hot TikTok section or whatever the heck that's called um and and I'm and and I'm you know I'm not somebody who plays mobile games, but I do think it is uh, there. There's 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 pros and cons of this, and I would I would say there's right now mostly cons. Uh, on uh, which which is not to say that that this doesn't deserve to exist. And yeah, Netflix has the you know has its rights to expand outside of television, but man, this is not the way to do it. There are some games on here that sure they i'm glad you know they exist uh in their forms like sonic that sonic prime dash which is based on the sonic prime show um and and uh you know i'll say that's it for now <laughs> but there's there's a thing about owning games that is now a little bit more pertinent to this world where we have game pass and playstation plus and nintendo switch online where we don't just own games and there you know there's there needs to be some type of object permanence or game permanence when it comes to all of this. And um, Netflix is bringing has brought a lot of great games that are great on console or great on PC or uh, that now or they just just purchased outright um, and just put they slap the Netflix name on there like dead cells and you know dead cells is a game you can buy on iOS, and on Android, besides buying it on PC and Mac and um, uh, consoles um, for real money, versus you know you get it for free, you get all that the DLC, you get the entire game for free if you subscribe to Netflix, which is I mean that's that's great because you know if if you're somebody who pays twenty three dollars for the four K thing and uh, and you know you want something more than just being able to watch things in four K <laughs> and have five I think it's you get five um, uh, account, uh, not logins, but, uh, users, they should also, if you pay $23 per month, they, they should stop sending me the full screen ad of, Hey, do you want to add more people to your thing? Cause if you do, then it's going to cost $8 for those extra ones, which is ridiculous. I'm paying the most. Let's let me, let me be able to share my password. A, I won't do that, but B, let me be able to. And uh, and I mean, yeah, so like I as I was saying, you know, we've we've they've been able to with this money, be able to bring games like GTA uh, 3, San Andreas and Vice City better ports than the original ones that were brought by Rockstar that were said to be upgrades. And these are actual upgrades. Then there's the TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder Revenge, which is a great game, throwback arcade game that's on consoles and PC uh, we've got Kentucky Route Zero, Death's Door, Farming Simulator 23, Transformers: Forge to Fight. I think that is just a game that they created. Um, but these are all the things that I was interested in. They're on my list technically. But at what cost? You know, does Netflix expanding the games has been uh, a strategy that they want to uh, uh, have people? But But at some point, it's gonna it's gonna cost a little bit more. It's gonna be you know instead of costing an arm, it's gonna be an arm and a leg. Now, how are they gonna make more money? They've resisted putting ads in games. Hey, maybe that's what's happening next. Some ideas that have been discussed include in-app purchases, charging for more sophisticated games it is developing, or giving subscribers to its newer ads supported tier uh, access to games with ads in them. Would that work? Would that be something that can drive profits? Are people going to, people already play games on their phones with ads? People watch TikToks with ads. There's no way to get around that stuff. So would would that be an encouragement for people to jump up when it comes to subscriptions or a way to keep them to just to keep people who aren't interested and, you know, spending the $15 for the HD without ads? I think it might be 16, but for spending that much money without ads and to have games, whatever. The number of users downloading Netflix games is growing, but remains small as of October. Fewer than 1% of Netflix's global subscribers were playing its games daily, Aptopia estimates. And then, you know, just reading that out loud brings together another concern. What happens when they eventually give up on this? They gave up on DVDs, but if this doesn't drive profits for them, there, are they going to close the oxygen-free studio? Are they going to put those developers out of work? Are they going to put other developers out of work? Are we going to lose access to better versions of GTA games that are finally on mobile? GTA San Andreas, their version, drove 11% of Netflix's game downloads in 2023, according to Sensor Tower. Analysts have estimated that Netflix has spent about $1 billion on buying gaming studios and building the business. The company spends about $17 billion a year on its shows and movies. And they have the money to let this all go and let this all happen. It's kind of like when Apple, when, uh, when we found out that Apple had like $100 billion in cash or something like that. Um, and they dedicated $1 billion to TV shows and movies. I'll say it paid off for them. You know, they had that movie about the deaf people that won an Oscar. Uh, they've had a lot of great shows and movies. Monarch's good. What's the one? Family, Family Switch, is that the newest one? That was all right. Watch watched it on a Friday night and, uh, man, won a movie. Not saying it's, it's I, had a, I had a nice time. <laughs> just like Lyft, speaking of Netflix, just like Lyft. During that entire movie, Kevin Hart did not tell one joke, and that's and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Kevin Hart truly, that entire film did not say one joke. He was not funny. He was the most serious he's ever been, and I can't believe it. Overall, Netflix games were downloaded eighty-one point two million times globally last year, which is up from twenty-eight point seven in twenty twenty-two. That's from Census to Censor Tower. And A games cost money to make. Um, we've got... the, the Capcom brought uh, 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 Resident Evil. I believe the latest one, the remake for Resident Evil 4, and I believe Resident Evil 7 uh, are the two that are on iOS right now. I don't know if they're on Android, but I know they're on iOS. And those are giant AAA games. The next logical step after putting ads in games would be for them to bring in an actual, like, real AAA game. Whether that's acquiring one from a studio or whether that's making one themselves, it's going to cost a crap ton of money. Spider-Man 2 came out. And that costs a lot of money. Halo Infinite costs a lot of money. Let me name a Nintendo one. pokemon scarlet and violet <laughs> they cost a lot of money they didn't it didn't come out too well but you know what i finished it the end <laughs> that's the next logical step for them and and is is that going to pay off is that going to be something that's lucrative for them um in the long run I can see them I can see them putting out something big budget in the next couple of years. But if it whiffs, it's gonna whiff hard. <laughs> hey, listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website seaplesscomedy.com where you can see me talk to famous people. I got I already like I said, I just did a junket and I will talk about it when that is ready to come out. Uh, You can, but you can watch the other, watch the other ones, (laughs) watch the other interviews under the interviews on youtube.com slash people's comedy. You can watch the video version, if you're listening to it, of this show, as well as the other podcasts, Late Night Lately, the Late Late Night Talk Show Show, the Late Late Night Show Show, (laughs) and and, uh, LinkedIn Logs, which is the uh, business podcast. That's going to be a tagline for that. Listen, link a lot of business, I guess. You watch video version of their shows, youtube.com slash people's comedy. You can watch um, uh, 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 everything. Everything I've ever done. There's shorts somewhere. I don't know. I have to create an outro to this show because I can't play the entire theme song over and over again. Uh, social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is way too hype. <laughs> Doesn't make it what to... I- bang your head um yeah all that chat uh, at sequels Comedy me at Chad Black White thank you for listening and uh we'll see you next time I appreciate you